to another episode of the Hoot at Jedi podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, recording episode 155, which is this episode, on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. And um, so it is one of the happiest days of the year. Um, so yes, May the 4th be with you. Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, with you. Yeah, uh, all the all the Protestants and Catholics say. Um yeah, but uh, it was kind of funny. First of all, with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Hello, hello, hello. So I, We're all right. I in our at work at our in our Slack channel, I you know I said, okay, it is you know Star Wars Day, and here's proof of how big of a nerd I am. And I posted a picture of me in my snowtrooper armor, and one of my coworkers said, you know, said, well, I do appreciate Star Wars Day. He said, I don't know why Star Trek Day doesn't get as much traction. I was like, well, when is Star Trek Day? And he said, it's on September 8th. And I was like, well, why is it on September 8th? Do you have a punny reason for, you know, and the reason why it's on September 8th is because that was the air. It aired. The first airing of Star Trek was September 8th, 1966, I think, or 65. Something. So we're talking way too much about Star Trek, but we at least have the pun. You know, but however, one of my former students said, now we're just going to have to take over the whole month because this is the May. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the May. This is the May. So um, (laughs) we can just take the whole month of May. But anyway, um, so yeah. So happy Star Wars Day, guys. Happy Star Wars Day. Did you wear Star Wars stuff to work? No, I wore my Lucasfilm uh, shirt. I had my socks. I wore my uh, my uh, uh, X Wing versus Tie Fighter socks. Sweet, um, yeah. And actually, Fredo, you just you just got back from San Francisco and you visited the mothership, didn't you? The mothership connection. Well, it was a short visit because that's about as much as they give you. So no, I was in San Francisco last week for a conference and i kind of figured okay never been there take a day off and so i went to a lovely area of san francisco by the bay called the presidio which is kind of like if you were to mix well they're old army uh, barracks city. right yeah. yeah but if you were to mix city park with a museum district with a really fancy upscale like i mean it's a beautiful ground it's, it's really beautiful with offices with communities anyway uh walked around a lot so golden gate bridge so alcatraz island but right smack in the middle of that a uh, bit further from the walt disney museum which is a little small building uh they have the offices of lucasfilm right there they have a famous yoda statue where yoda is standing as water's pouring around him and you are allowed to go into the lobby now you walk into the lobby there's a lot of really cool neat Star Wars stuff, and there's a very lovely receptionist who quite calmly tells you, okay, just so you know, there's some rules. Rule number one, don't touch the stuff. You can take as many pictures as you like, just do not touch the stuff. You cannot take pictures beyond the lobby, so you can't aim your phone towards anybody's office. And this is as far as you go, unless your name is George Lucas and or Steven Spielberg and or J.J. Abrams, somebody of that so, I mean, they do have some really neat stuff. They have like a, a one of the life-size, one of the Darth Vader suits. They have a life-size K2SO. They have one of the R2-D2s there. They have a whole bunch of little stuff here, there, and everywhere. They have a 
nice little statue and it's a really quiet and that's the thing that kind of stunned stunned me about it all Aaron and I know you've been there how chill it is it's, yeah if you didn't know that that was Lucasfilm you would have thought it was maybe a community college you right would have thought you... it would have been a church anything but what that is yeah you know? but it was uh... really nice kind of under it is understated and actually they rotate stuff out because the first time i was there i actually like i said i've told this before i've got to work at at, uh, lucasfilm for a day and i tell you it was kind of the same thing we went when i was working for google we went to help them make their transition to google apps and um it was uh we had to be escorted to the bathroom but at the time i mean they're wrapping up rogue one and they were working on an avengers movie it's that's where ilm works is where you were at and so it was like you know thou shalt not take pictures here you can take pictures here you know um but they they rotate those uh figures out because i've darth vader's always been there and, and another time i went um they had boba fett then they also had a first order stormtrooper um i think r2d2 is always there but you know the k2so when you sent me that picture i was like that's cool so they, they swap it out i'm you know sure they have the stuff but you know the <laughs> the coolest thing when we were walking through the halls um was on there we got to a door and on either side of this door was actually stormtrooper armor used in the movies that were guarding this i was just like i want to i don't want to leave but um uh, so yeah well cool i'm glad you i'm glad you got there um the Yoda statue yeah, is really uh, cool, yeah. and, you know. So the downside, the downside is, and you told us this, is that they have a employee-only gift shop. They can get stuff in. They do not give you access to that nope. if you're just a member of the public. And I was like, "Let me in! I got money." Didn't matter. So they don't care. They don't want my money. They got enough of their own. Yeah, that's right. But San Francisco is really nice. I mean, you can totally get this a completely different vibe from Southern California and LA, and I could totally see like. Okay, this is kind of where a lot of George Lucas's mindset came from. Because you walk to San Francisco, and just feel it or in the air with him. Well, welcome back. Um, we're glad we're glad you didn't leave your heart there. Um, so um, cool. Well, tonight we're going to be uh, talking about. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our about May the Fourth a little bit more um, after we do some news here. Um, but, uh, then we're going to kind of do a recap of the, uh, Mandalorian season three, just going to go kind of just high level, you know, of the episodes. Are there things that maybe didn't get paid off how we thought the story coalesced, you know, um, there's been people who have been critical of season three because it wasn't so much about Din Djarin and it was more about, you know, Mandalorians, um so um and we might speculate on where we're going a little bit further so yeah we're just going to kind of put a bow on that uh, because we're going to have more stuff to talk about coming up in previous weeks because today on may the 4th um some some things got dropped with there's new content in uh in disney plus um but without but before we get to all that stuff um let's do some trivia and we have guests on our trivia back to defend her crown i believe is olivia right she's she's beat us i think at least one or two times is that correct and uh that's correct and also is uh joining us is nate who's standing back there like the the ghost kid from uh, 
uh, three men and a baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, have you guys. By the way, have you guys ever seen that? Have you ever paused that movie at the point where they where you see the kid looking through the window? Oh, Dave, you're muted or something. Um, nope, can't hear you at all. You're muted on meat. It's muted. Yeah, so. There you go. I was saying, of course we've done that. Of course. You'd have to have done that. Yeah, it's a, it is kind of creepy, but it is really stupid too. All right, so uh, let's see here. Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? Me. Oh, wait a minute. Harper's there too. Yep. Oh, you got Nate know. and you got Harper. Oh, I thought Olivia was with us. Okay, no, that's Harper and Nate. Okay, cool. So Olivia's not defending her crown. All right. So. She retired. She retired on top. I remember the last time Nate did this. He did very well, though. So. All right. Well, then Nate gets the first question. All right. Here you go, Nate. Are you ready, Nate? Came first. No, no, no. He asked the questions. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I asked. I asked the questions. This is my game. Uh, <laughs> all right. So Nate. Um, oh, I won't do that one. All right. What master tells Anakin Skywalker, "Protect the senator at all costs." That is your first priority. So what Jedi Master tells Anakin Skywalker, protect the Senator at all costs. That is your first priority. Obi-Wan. He says Obi-Wan? Yes. Do you want to change your answer? What movie is that from, by the way? I believe it was from Revenge of the Sith. It's actually from Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Oh. It's a different senator than you're thinking of, buddy. Oh, if it's Attack of the Clones, protect the senator. Jedi Master. Then it's Obi-Wan, because he, Anakin uh, tries to go on the journey to Kamino with Obi-Wan. But Padme, I believe, was the senator, and he wanted him to protect her, but Anakin wanted to join in. You know, your reasoning is sound. You're going to kick yourself, though. It is Mace Windu. Yep. Oh. See, look, he's in the corner now, like, reflecting on his transgressions. And... <laughs> this, is the, this is the man with the purple lightsaber, buddy. I was thinking, purple lightsaber. I was, I was, I was gonna give a do Yoda or Obi Wan, but Obi Wan was like my top answer. I was gonna give a clue of bad mother, but then I started to think that maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Wait, you, you think it would uh, affront their ears, Aaron? Well, I don't know. Um, that's not for me to judge. Uh, all right, next up, we're gonna go to Fredo. We're gonna go to Fredo for this next one. Actually, I'm gonna give you the one <laughs> I was gonna give Nate, and I stopped. Um, what's the English translation? Of Kuna Tuta Solo. Oh, I know that one. Going somewhere solo. Ah, good for you. Look at you all knowing Hatties like a Trekkie. Way to go. <laughs> Trekor. Um, yeah, no, actually, that was kind of funny. Uh, when I first saw Anthony Daniels speak, um, he made fun of somebody for knowing how to speak Hatties. He said, I thought only Star Trek people. Did that sort of stuff. All right. Harper, are you ready? Okay. Okay. To you. All right. So what does Han call Jabba 
after Jabba the Hutt gives him a second chance at repaying his debt. Mm. So this is in A New Hope. What does Han call Jabba after Jabba the Hutt gives him a second chance at repaying his debt? Um. He says, Jabba, you're a wonderful fill in the blank. Okay. Love. <laughs> you know, it's that's kind of interesting. It's it's actually quite ironic that he says you're a wonderful human being. Human being. Oh what? Yeah, that's weird. He's not a human being. He's a slug. You are a true Star Wars fan, Nate, because yes, it makes no sense because we recorded that scene with a overweight Scottish guy instead of you know um, an actual. Job of the hut. So blame the special editions. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, Dave, to you. What T word does the officer in the Death Star's detention area use to reference uh, Chewbacca? Ooh. What T word <laughs> does the officer in the Death Star's detention area use in reference to Chewbacca? Oh, I think I know actually. Where are you taking this? thing it is thing all right and i have to have a question all right so what pilot does luke address his i've been hit transmission to before crash landing on hoth what pilot does luke address his i've been hit transmission to before crash landing on hoth that is hobby yes hobby all right Fredo, to you. Hey. Are you ready? Go for it. What uneasy pilot declares flying is for droids? <laughs> Are you sure you want to pass this on to one of the other ones? Uh, I'm going to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is Obi-Wan Kenobi. It is. All right. Nate, are you ready? Nate. Yes. Get in there. What part of the pit droid does young Anakin tell Jar Jar to hit in order to collapse it? What part of the pit droid does young Anakin tell Jar Jar to hit in order to collapse it? Well, first I need to know which movie. I think it's either first, second, or third because those were the three with Jar Jar Binks. It's The Phantom mm -hmm. Menace. Yep, it's from the first one. Okay, the first one. And remember, he said young Anakin too, right? Mm -hmm. So... Like very young old. He tells Jar Jar, "Hit it." Where? You remember the visual, because he actually does it. Because he tells him what to do, and then Jar Jar does it. You remember? Hit it in the head. A little more particular, yeah. The nose. Yeah, hit him in the nose. I should have just start picking my nose. That, that was... <laughs> oh, there you go. Hit him in the nose. Yeah, All right. Okay. This one's for Harper. Harper, are you ready? Yeah. What color are the dinner drinks served by Aunt Baru? Hmm. What color of milk does Aunt Baru serve? Blue? It is blue. It's blue milk. 
I also <laughs> guessed it because it's my favorite color. There you well, go. There you go. It's Dan my Lou. favorite color lightsaber. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Dave, what type of droid gets up unscathed after being sucked completely through Odie Mandrell's pod racer engine? That would be a pit droid, probably. Man, we're just all over the episode yeah. one stuff. Yeah, it was pit droid. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, let's all give a give it up for Harper and Nate for playing with us. Thanks for playing trivia with us, guys. Hi, Daddy. You put up one thing now. What? Can we watch TV? <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Fredo no. and Uncle Aaron say yes. Yeah. So. Can't say no. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's, it is May the fourth. It is May the fourth. Uh, let's let's go to some news. Fredo, what's happening in Star Wars worlds? So let's start out with the, hey, happy May the 4th uh, to everybody. Actually, I'll start with the one bit of news that kind of broke today, which is uh, everybody's favorite princess, Carrie Fisher, got her posthumously as a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and uh, on hand to accept it were her daughter, Billy Lord, and Mark Hamill, who kind of inducted her into the Walk of Fame. So just kind of a little recognition after the fact for somebody who I think everybody loves. Yep, that was cool. And actually, I saw that Billy Lord uh, sprinkled glitter on the star as well. You know, Britt said she wondered if she flipped off the cameras because that was what Carrie Fisher would that have was done. Thing, so, yeah. um, I don't know, did 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 she? But, uh, yeah. She might have done it uh, behind the scenes just because eh, it would have been, no. They should have had to explain the joke. Uh, moving right along to less fun news. So, as of three days ago, midnight, I believe, uh, the Writers Guild of America went on strike. It's the first strike they've called in the last since since the big one they had 15 years ago in 2008. So that meant that writers for TV shows, streaming shows, movies have walked off sets. They're not writing anymore. I believe the Writers Guilds in Europe and the UK are standing in solidarity with them. From my understanding, and I think we kind of discussed some of this in the last couple of episodes previously, a lot of the pre-production, a lot of the production stuff for Star Wars, it shouldn't be affected per se. I believe the script for season four of Mandalorian were locked in. Skeleton crew, Ahsoka, Ahsoka's just about done. Uh, Season two of Andor, all that stuff was already in place. If there's going to be any kind of big impact on the Star Wars level, it's going to be potentially to either of the movies, whether it's the, uh, actually, no, uh, it's going to be more likely Dave Filoni's movie because I don't think he had quite was on that script just yet. So I'm sorry. Isn't this uh, just, isn't this just like yeah. the way it's going to go? It's like you get three new star Wars movies. Yay. Writers are going on strike. Uh. Oh. <laughs> I mean, A lot of people go and a lot of people say, well, wait a minute, there shouldn't be an impact if the scripts are locked in place. You're right. But we know full well that rewrites happen all the time. And a lot of times they'll keep one of the writers on staff, if it's not the showrunner, on standby on set in order to be able to help the actors kind of work their way mentally through what's being said or what the scene calls for. So it'll be interesting to see how much of a production impact this is. It's, as like I said, a lot of the Star Wars stuff was already in production or finishing production, so the script is not an issue. If it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be the movies. 
Speaking of movies, then I'll move right along. Uh, Deadline had a had a headline regarding uh, Taika Waititi saying that his next movie is going to be an adaptation of the uh, Kazuo Ishiguro's novel Clara and the Sun. So he's looking to develop that. From a Star Wars standpoint, it, at, towards the end, it says, quote, as for Star Wars, insiders say Taika is still excited about the project and committed to direct that the next year. So I guess the expectation is he'll work on this adaptation in 2023. His movie, because remember, he was writing, rewriting that movie, so uh, won't come in, won't start production until 2024, potentially being seen 2026, 2027. I will, I will bet you $10 right now that we don't see a Taika Waititi movie for about Star Wars in the next 10 years. It's He's one of those guys that's like, in demand and he's that he strikes me a lot like Guillermo del Toro I don't know if you've ever seen the, the guy directed uh Shape of Water Hellboy Blade 2 you know a tour he's one of those guys got like 10 projects were going all at the same time and you look at any one of those projects and you go this would be awesome this would be awesome this would be awesome and you just like pick one and do it and then he ends up picking one that you're like not that one go do the other one so uh, Taika strikes me in very much the same way because he not only has the Star Wars movie, he's got this adaptation, he's got the Acura adaptation, he's got the sequel to What We Do in the Shadows. So it's like, dude, pick one lane and finish it. Which, uh, uh, who do you think we'll see a Star Wars movie from first, Ryan Johnson or Taika Waititi? Hmm. <laughs> you gotta gotta put money down on one. If I was to put money, go ahead, Dave. I mean, I'll just uh, I'll say Ryan Johnson. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Ryan, because I could I could see where Ryan can turn his around much quicker. I can see where Ryan says, "Okay, I'm making a Star Wars movie, and write the script, knock it out, go to pre-production, be done and ready to go within a year." I don't think Taika will do that until he's ready. So, uh, it's interesting. Okay, uh, next bit of news then. Uh, that's actually an interesting news came out just earlier uh, this week. Collider had a nice long interview with Dave Filoni talking about Ahsoka, kind of talking about kind of what is the, the ideas are coming from. All the adaptations in it was announced that there's going to be eight episodes to season one of Ahsoka. All episodes are going to be 60 minutes long. Dave Filoni's written all as eight episodes, and I believe he's directing one, if not two. So, you know, the last time he wrote an episode of television by himself was the chapter 13 of Mandalorian, the Jedi, which I remember. So, so he's directing more than one episode. He's, uh, he's been, again, eight episodes, 60 minutes. You're not going to get this uh, thing with the Mandalorian where one episode's 48, one minute's 32. And, and again, Let's, uh, you know, we're talking about, yay, we get to see Star Wars movies coming in the future. But here we just told you that you're getting eight hours of Star Wars coming in August, folks. You know, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before. I mean, that's like, it's, so that's, you know, dang, that's, you that's, more, just, that's more than a, that's more than a trilogy. So. I, and when you consider the cast of characters that he's working on characters that he loves whether it's it's not just ahsoka it's the bean it's Ezra, it's thrawn it's um how much i call her uh, hera so it's chopper so these are characters he's lived with for years now and so the opportunity to kind of 
put them on the live action, have him go at it. Yeah, I can see where he can fill 60 minutes every week with no problem. I think it's interesting, I mean, to know that it, it I mean, I would be surprised if there are any quote unquote filler episodes in this, you know, that the thing, the episodes that people get all fired up about, but it's like, you know, like when we go on a little just side quest that doesn't make much sense in the overall, seems like he has very specific things that he needs to get out. And I think we're probably going to be, you know, kind of wrapped up with Ahsoka by the time we do the, the Mando movie. Um, but the fact that they're, like I said, the fact that they're going 60 minutes, I think they, he's got a lot of stuff he wants to get in there. So I just hope it's not too busy. You know, it's kind of the nice thing about a movie is that, you know, with, when you have two and a half hours, it's like, you know, we've talked about, you know, trimming the fat and stuff like that. It's just, you have to trim some stuff and just leave some stuff to say, you know, to, you know, okay, we explained it real quick and now we're moving on. Um, but he must want to either he has a ton of things to say or he wants to spend time on the important stuff. Well, and that's one of the advantages that he has knowing the characters kind of having to live with this idea is you get a sense you're not going to get any episodes like the uh, Mandal- Mandal- no, Din and Bo play kind of detectives on a pleasure planet kind of episode that a lot of people complain about. You're going to you should have a bit more of a streamlined story where everything is kind of just hitting people right where they want it to want to be at. So um, it should flow a little bit better. It shouldn't be as jarring from episode to episode. But at the same time, that's all conjecture. You know, Dave Filoni might hit us with eight episodes of nothing but you know side quests and side stories, and everybody be all mad with him because this is not the story it's enough for. So you know. Yeah, I don't think it's an indicator of anything other than we're getting an hour every week. Um, and if you're a fan of Star Wars and you're a fan of this kind of content, then hey, good news. I get I get an hour of this every week. Um, I don't know that we need to go too much deeper than that. Um, though, you know, the, you, you mentioned movies, and I think that's an interest, more interesting case because we've seen movies get longer and longer and, and more indulgent and, and I don't like that <laughs> <Dude>. trend. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I, I, you know, like, again, I think there, there, there are examples where it's warranted, like Avengers Endgame. You cannot tell that story in under three hours because it's a three act play. Um, it's basically three movies. Um, and so they, they knocked it out in three hours and props to them because like, you don't really feel like you're sitting there for three hours uh, unless you have to hit the bathroom. But um, uh, yeah, I, I don't like the trend of longer movies. So uh, I, this is the, this is the argument for Obi-Wan being a show to me. Cause like they would have had a, propensity for stretching that thing out and not wanting to chop all this content and it, it dragging eventually and uh, i don't think that that would have been good for it so uh count me as firmly in the obi-wan uh works as a television show camp yeah you know to your end game it's like they also could you know spend the three hours on that one because they just spent what 20 movies you know 
prepping for that. So if they would have made that a, you know, two hour movie, you would have felt utterly gypped, you know? So, um, and that might, sorry, that might be what's going on here after you've got all this clone wars story and you got all these rebel stories. And this is really probably going to be the culmination of, you know, Ahsoka's story. So you got a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of things to touch. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. Like I said, I'm, I got eight hours of Star Wars. Hooray. So. Yeah. By the way, to your point, Dave, uh, we Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes out tomorrow. Do you know how long that runtime is? Oh, no. How? Two hours and 29 minutes. Okay. Okay. At least I've been warned. I'm going tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, I, I would recommend you and Kate see it first just to, to test it with the kids. I've seen a few reviews. Uh, let's just say uh, animal cruelty factors heavily in the plot. And, yeah. you know, opinions will vary as to how the stomachs on that. But anyway, uh, last bit of news actually came out uh, today was Empire did a nice long interview with Tony Gilroy about season two of Andor. You know, kind of discussing how, despite the fact that everybody knows where this story is going to end, people are still excited about it. So, he said they're filming it right now. They should be they're, they're towards finished or getting close to the conclusion. The kind of big reveal that he had in the in the interview is that the final three episode block will focus on the quote the last three days before Rogue One. He says the risks that season will take are very different. Uh, they're not you know, whereas we know where Mon Mothma and Cassian Andor are gonna end up. We don't know where Deidre Miro is going to end up, where Luthien Rail is going to end up. There's going to be uh, uh, some characters whose fates are we're not going to know till towards the end. And it says some of the core ingredients are secrecy, paranoia, a lack of trust, betrayal. So how difficult is it to build a revolution? And what happens to the original gangsters as the as other people get involved? So we're going to so we're going to end up feeling bad for the guy that Cassian shoots at the beginning of Rogue One. We're going to get to know him. Mm-hmm. I would imagine so. I would imagine so. That poor, that poor. My monkey. And how he, how he hurt his arm. <laughs> We're going to find out how he hurt his arm. Oh yeah, we need to know. Every we need that detail. answer. We need that yeah. answer. That's, Aaron, that's a plot hole. If they don't show us how he hurt his arm, <laughs> absolutely. It's going to be Get the pitchforks, you know, good Lord. They better describe it. Better give better get his name and how he hurt his arm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's, so there's a lot of excitement. I mean, like I said, they're, they're already past the halfway point of the production of that show. Obviously it's still not going to be with us till earliest a year from now at the earliest, because they got to do a ton of special effects work and scoring and everything. And, uh, but at least they know there's a finite ending and they're shooting towards them. That's fun. So uh, uh, one last thing just on the news, uh, things that dropped on Disney Plus today. Um, well, we got Vision Season 2, right? Um, we also got, uh, I didn't realize this was coming until like about a day or so ago, but it's uh, the new Simpsons uh, thing. It's uh, Rogue, not nearly one. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. All right. Is that what it's called? It's Maggie, I think. Maggie. Yeah, and she, Maggie looks like she's in the uh, Baby Yoda bassinet, you know, type things. So that that'll be fun to watch. Um, and also, the uh, Young Jedi Adventures came out. Yeah. I actually, I actually watched the first episode of that after work today, just to see what it was like. Yeah. And it's it's 
totally for kids. This is this is not this is not for us. It's cute. Um, it's you know in the it's it's like if you have you know take any Disney um, you know TV show for kids and make them Jedi. Um, I mean, I mean you have Yoda and you have the and it's you know they're all about like we work together and we'll beat the bad guy. The bad guy is actually really kind of cool. It's like this 12 year old kid with a pirate helmet on. I don't know. It's watch the first episode. It's cute. Um, and I think it's really, uh, they're going to sell toys at, uh, you know, um, at the parks. Um, but, uh, you know, especially I, I, I could see how this is a, a, an, a market that they needed given the adultness of the most recent star Wars stuff. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, little kids have been kind of, you know, pushed to the side. Yeah. So, um, this will hit them. They'll, they'll dig this show. Um, if they watch it, I mean, they've, they're like, I said, they're all little, even, even the little kid who's like the Han Solo character, she's, you know, flying the, the ship and has a droid and everything like i said it, it it's cute um and there's like the the moral of the story of episode one was um you know that you know work to work as a team and you know and help the little guy you know and don't be selfish basically is what this you know was was about so um and like i said and I think that's needed. I, again, we, we've talked about this before. A lot of the fan base gets upset when you have product or shows that are not aimed at them. And I'm almost like, but you get all this stuff. That That's the beauty of stuff, whether it's Star Wars, whether it's Marvel, whether it's Star Trek, or whatever, is that you can make stuff that appeals to different demographics, different age groups, that's made in different ways. So let's just make good. And people in the and the audience enjoys it. That's what matters. It's not. This isn't a race to see. Oh, if all Star Wars must be aimed at me, like that, that's that's narrow minded and weak. So I'm sorry, but I love the idea that you got a, a show that's aimed at the little ones. That it's Star as Star Wars as anything else, and they can have a good time with it. <laughs> it you know it's Yoda. Yoda's in it as well, and that's kind of cool. Uh, it was it was funny. The uh, Jedi Master, the Padawans, like didn't they showed up late. They're like, we're sorry, Master So and So, for being late. She's like, oh, I'm just happy that you're okay. I'm like, come on, that's not real life. You'd be getting yelled at and sent to detention or Jedi detention. But anyway, no, um, <laughs> like I said, really, really, really cute show. Um, I don't, I, I probably won't watch beyond episode one, but I do encourage you to watch the first one. It's just like this one. Um, so, anything else that was released on? disney plus today i don't think so uh well, we could talk about return of the jedi which came out over the weekend hey, you guys want to see it you guys we see did it? Yeah. i we, we were thinking about it but we ended up not so how was it seeing jedi in the theater again oh i got to see the crawl it was it was what i wanted i mean it wasn't Wee. new yeah exactly we you know super excited but like not that same level of excitement about uh, that you get with a new movie um um most of the effects held up really well you know it was the special edition like um blinking ewoks and all yeah yeah jedi rocks yeah oh yeah oh yeah 
That was uh, that was the the moment of truth was when uh, Jedi Rocks rolled in. There he is. And then the no at the end, which almost ruined no. the whole thing for me. Like my kid, like my youngest, projectile vomited at the theater. Like she's like when she's Vader said under- no. <laughs> it was before that. To be fair, before that it was Jedi um, rocks. <laughs> after that, um, she just she had a like rotavirus or something like she caught at school and she just blah you know um that was the second most offensive thing to happen during the movie after the no so (laughs) you know like that was that was my take on that but uh it was it was a lot of fun it was fun to go uh and i went to rogue one last fall i i say it you know obviously the Lucasfilm's got all of our money you know in terms of all the merchandise and everything else and we've all purchased these movies over and over again so you know you're a bit of a sap I guess if you go again but it's it's a good experience every time would you uh, oh, uh people have talked about this would you pay let's say like if they were to like do Mandalorian season one you know it's going to be like a a whole you know, afternoon or day, you know, like uh, pay a ticket to go watch that in a theater setting. Would you do that? My answer is a quick no. Uh, I don't have the logistical capacity for something like that with with three kids. Well, let's say so. you did. Let's say you did. I mean, let's 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 take that out of the equation. Would that be I, something that would be of interest to you, or is are you cool with just watching it on your your TV or your iPad? I'd have to really think about it. Um, I, I've gone to like movie marathons and I've gone to like the Oscar showcase. Uh, AMC used to do that. I don't know if they still do where you, they show like all the best picture nominees. That was awesome. Um, I loved doing that, but I, I don't know. Something like a TV show. I don't know. Well, see, that's the thing that I wonder about how I'm going to feel about the Mandalorian movie that Dave Filoni is doing, because is it going to be like, you know, just is it going to be weird because i've been watching this stuff i don't know i don't know I, i'm yeah, making, no, I'm making I, more I of say, it but um i would say that i would just because i mean i don't have the constraints that dave does so i can't waste a whole day just being stuck in a movie theater watching a show i've already seen uh i would love to see it as an experience see if there's anything gained or anything different whether the effects hold up in a bigger screen as opposed to a tv screen uh how the sound and the music kind of work i'd love to see all that because that's part of the dynamic that i think return of the jedi hits that's a movie that's made to be a movie meaning you know be the biggest screen possible with the thx sound uh, studios whatever you know that's built for an audience that's built to be seen in that environment yes you can see it on your phone on your ipad on your tv screen whatever but that's that was crafted by the by the artist who made it for this purpose and so whenever you get to see it in that i almost feel like you're getting it the right way in a, in a way that's special and unique because that's what it's aimed for so uh, but i'd be interested <laughs> to see whether that translates for something that was made for tv because normally you know I, I say this as somebody who's actually had the good and or misfortune of seeing 
for a while there, back when I was a little kid, I would see like pilot TV shows. You know, used to be a pilot movie would be put on the big screen. So like I saw the Battlestar Galactica pilot on the big screen. I saw the Amazing Spider-Man TV show on a big screen as a movie. <laughs> and the Incredible Hulk pilot as a movie on a big screen. So sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. So I'd be interested to see if Mandalorian would hold up. So um, to, uh, uh, I said we were going to maybe talk about our Star Wars stories a little bit. I'm going to change that a little bit. I just want to, because to wrap up our May the 4th conversation, um, most maybe most vivid or favorite um, Star Wars moment as a kid, not as an adult, but when you think back to your kids, because I was actually, I, I, I'm, this isn't the one I'm thinking of, but Brittany and I were just watching Return of the Jedi um, on TBS before came in here to record and i remember you know i remember one of the, i remember going to see return of the jedi with my best friend at the time you know um but i remember just the the, the whole speeder bike chase just being for some reason that is so that seeing that for the first time was so vivid to me um and i thought it was just so absolutely cool um so what are what are those that get you all in the feels uh, when you think about Star Wars as a kid? What's one one memory? I feel like Leia in uh, Return of the Jedi, where she's like, I just remember images, really, you know, like that kind of thing. I thought, um, I thought you were going to bring up the gold bikini for a second there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could if you really if you really wanted me to, I could put on the gold bikini. But no, um, the my my fur my first first movie going memory of star wars was um i remember the hall uh on Tantive, uh on the tantive floor um and just the stormtroopers humming at them and mowing everybody down and darth vader appearing like that's that and then like c3po and r2d2 in the desert wandering through the desert and then, you know, I, I was so young, and this is the re-release, I th- I'm, I'm confident, because um, I, I'm younger than Star Wars. Like, that's my claim to fame. Uh, uh, I was born uh, two months after it was released. Um, two and a half months, I guess. Um, but, like, uh, so this was the re-release. Um, I, probably when uh, when Empire came out. Um but yeah, like those visuals, and then I'm, you know, I sacked out, and I, I don't remember anything after that. And then, um, the snow, Hoth, um, like you said, the speeder bikes from Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks, um, those were like, and then the creepy old Emperor guy, you know, like he really made an impression too. So. You know, um, and if I can jump in here just real quick, you know, for mine, um it's it's really interesting because it's not, it, it's not necessarily star wars per se um it is but um like when we would have somebody would have a birthday party the big thing that what would what would be the big thing that would happen at any birthday party in the 80s i mean you would rent movies from blockbuster or something yeah yeah and, and and there was usually three that we would get and star wars was generally one of them for whatever reason so it was like so it was always part of my friends when i when i think of star wars um like i said as a kid 
it's wrapped around my friends from that time period because it, it so then it became because like i said we watched it was like i said just it's so goofy you, you'd go and rent a vcr because you didn't own a vcr so you go to blockbuster mm-hmm. you'd rent the vcr and the tapes and it was a big event and like i said star wars was always one of them for one reason or another you know um so um so that's just it yeah it's kind of yeah. just transports me um to that i remember I, that i remember i remember those those movies being on hbo like constantly um and like when you'd go over to a friend's house and they had hbo that movie was one of the three was on um uh when you go over like a sleepover or something and like you wake up saturday morning empire strikes back is on your living room television you didn't have to rent it you didn't have to go get the vhs um it was just on um, and I remember that. I remember the toys, yeah. you know, the Christmases. Uh, like one of my earliest Christmas memories was just like getting a Hoth uh, playset. Um, I think the year after that, I got the Ewok Village. Um, one year, I, I got a Tie Fighter. Um, those were just, you know, like those was a big deal, impactful, you know, like oh, oh my gosh, you know. Um, you know, and it's, it's interesting. And then we'll pass it to Fredo because, you know, like I said, I wrap it, I think about, like I said, how, you know, about, I think about my friends from that time period and star Wars has, I mean, you know, you have a lot of, um, people have developed friendships over star Wars, you know, but, but I wonder if it's, it's, I don't know, is it as meaningful and as you know i feel like the stand by me it's like you never you know stand by me line you know you never nobody has friends as great as you did when you were 12 years old you know that that whole thing um but it's like i don't know we weren't we weren't friends because of star wars star wars was a part of our friendship i, I, I don't know it's weird uh, <laughs> but i wonder if if it would have been the same if we would have had the online communities you know would it be as meaningful you know, I don't know. Uh, Fredo, what's your, as a kid, what's the thing that, like I said, Star Wars gets you all in the feels? See, I was thinking about that because, yeah, I always remember my first movie going experience being Empire, but feels-wise, I think I always remember going to, the first time I saw New Hope, it was me and my brother in Nicaragua. We saw it a few years after we'd seen Empire. Might have been, actually, after we saw Jedi, weirdly enough. And it was on a re-release because of Jedi. And we went and we saw it. And I just can't remember, we came back. I mean, I must have been seven. My brother must have been six. And my little old, bless her, my little old ma- grandmother was just sitting there. I visited my mom and we just came in and we just spent the next 30 minutes just retelling the entire movie to this little old lady who had nowhere to go. <laughs> Poor lady was trapped, but she just had this big old smile on her face as she saw her two grandkids just ranting and raving about laser swords and dudes wearing black and uh, X-Wings and Death Stars and all this stuff, that, that, the other. And I always think back to that because that's, that's the thing that hooks you. You know, it's not, yes, the visuals are awesome. It's the emotional heft that it carries. It's that you make memories out of it. So, you know, and we all do. Every whether you're an OT fan, prequel fan, sequel fan, 
uh, extended universe fans, whatever, you have a lot of memories locked in your brain that are tethered to Star Wars, whether it's the movies, the TV shows, the books, the video games, whatever, the toys, you name it, there's something in there. But that's the one that always makes you smile because I go like, that's the kind of thing that as an adult, you go like, of course you would do that. You're a kid. You wouldn't think nothing about just, you know, but adults tend not to give you that much time because they're pissed But I just love the fact that she took time and she just listened patiently, loving the fact that we're just bombarding her with all this information about what an R2-D2 unit was, what an X-Wing was, how it all came in and how it all ended. You know? So that's always something that puts a smile on my face. Cool. Right on. <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here surrounded by a bunch of Star Wars toys. And, you know, it is the the, the thing that I love about Star Wars is that it, it, rem, it reminds me to not lose track of that that kid you know um mm-hmm. that just because you know and dave you have kids you know but that doesn't mean that you can you have it's like okay now it's nate and olivia and harper's moment you can still you know feel like a kid you know with yeah. them when you when yeah. you when you you know do star wars so um but yeah you know where where adulthood creeps in is when you have to make those sacrifices so that they're allowed to still remain kids um yeah. you have you have plenty of those moments where um oh the chores got to get done and my kid is watching star wars i'm gonna let my kid watch star wars and i'm gonna do the chores you know um not to say that they don't ever do their chores but i don't want i don't need the parenting nazis to get on me for that but um nate go clean the toilet daddy's watching rogue one yeah right (laughs) i mean like seriously like and again like there are moments where you just have to make those calls you always and that's part of parenting and it's like oh well that sucks sucks for me uh i guess i i guess i chose this um but but yeah those moments where you get to share those things are so special um and I highly recommend them. Uh, if you've, if you're thinking about, uh, you know, pulling the trigger, so to speak, on some kids, like uh, it's, you know, it's a good time. Um, but I also know that it's not for everyone, and that's cool too. Well, all right, let's uh, <laughs> put it. Pardon me for keeping on hacking here, um, but our air quality alert in New Orleans is, you know, been going off today. Um, let's uh let's put a bow on mandalorian season three and let's to to start off this one i'm just going to run through the titles and like um and actually the one line the one sentence synopsis from disney plus we can kind of we need to hit on you know a little bit more of what that episode was about but i just want to talk about yeah have the conversation of did we feel like it was a did it, did it give us a cohesive story? Is it a story we enjoyed? Um, was it disjunct? Did it feel not fully developed? Just things like that. What, what are your reactions to it? So um, chapter, well, let's say episode one. I'm, I'm not going to do chapter 17. I'll just confuse the heck out of everybody. The first episode was the apostate. And that's when we, it says uh, the Mandalorian begins an important journey. So that's when he goes back to uh, see Grief Karga and don't we have pirates that day? 
Do we, is that yes. the first time we see the pirate? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, episode two is the Mines of Mandalore. And um, that's uh, where we have, uh, we actually go to Mandalore and jump into the water. Um, the thing that I think a lot of us thought was going to happen at the last episode. But he goes in and uh, at the end of that, um, Bo-Katan sees the Mythosaur. And um, so episode three then is the convert. And that's when Din Djarin brings Bo-Katan. Here, let me read the sentence. It says, on Coruscant, former Imperials find amnesty in the New Republic. So yeah, this was the one where we start off with Bo-Katan um, taking, it, well, Din Djarin bringing Bo-Katan back to the... Um, mandalorian covert um and then all of a sudden we're with uh dr pershing for like two-thirds of the episode and um then the very end of the episode is when bo-katan is welcomed into the covert and uh tells the uh <laughs> the armor that she saw mythosaur is that right she did that in this episode or is it a later no, later episode later on, later okay on. Well, anyway but that's when she gets welcomed into the clan. Um, so um, episode four was the foundling. That's when we go chasing after land of the lost pterodactyls for uh, Paz Vizsla's uh, kid. And Bo-Katan takes everybody on a uh, little hunting journey. And um, then they bring back three pterodactyls, three pterodactyl babies. Um, so that was that episode episode five was the pirate and um no this was this we okay so this is the episode that we see the pirates we didn't see pirates in the first episode first episode was ig11 uh coming back to life and stuff like that so but in this episode the pirate that's when we get the um all right right Oh, no, this is when they... No, okay, we do see them in the first episode. Oh, right? yeah. And then yes, the, yes. this episode is when they come back and they start uh, mm-hmm. whomping and a whooping. That's right. Yeah. Okay, right. so um, the people of Navarro need protection from a rampant pirate attacks. Um, and that's when uh, the one pirate says uh, nuts to this and flies off into hyperspace while the pirate king dies um, because he's needed for the skeleton crew. <clears throat> but, okay... Um, and the Mandalorians help them fight off the pirates and they get their own, that's the blazing saddles episode. They get their own bit of land to homestead. Um, episode six guns for hire. The Mandalorian visits an opulent world. Um, I can't remember why Din Djarin and, um, Bo-Katan went to the world with, uh, Lizzo and Jack they're, Black. Oh, they need they're, the, they're looking for the rest of the Mandalorians. Looking for the other Mandalorians. Actual... That's right. They're looking for the other Mandalorians. And um, so it turns into CSI uh, Mandalorian. Um, like I said, with Lizzo and Jack Black. Um, and at the end, we get the uh, the Harry Potter, uh, you know, the, the, tran- the magical one, the, the transitive property of the, uh, you know, being the Mandalore. Uh, so, um, so Bo-Katan gets everybody back together. Um, chapter seven, the spies. And that's, uh, people are still questioning who the spies were. And I just want to keep banging my head on, you know, the desk here. 
Um, Dave is now in the, uh, the chat twice. Um, so, um, but uh, Dave's. so the spies, um, this is when they go and so survivors come out of hiding. So they go down to Mandalore and, um, we see that's when we meet up with other Mandalorians who were on some sort of ship, I don't know, boat, land boat. I don't know. Um, and then they find out, we find out that Moff Gideon has been holding up on Mandalore and, um, yeah. So, and has new, uh, dark troopers, new stormtroopers, something with the best car armor. Anyway, um, Chapter 8 is the return. The Mandalorian and his allies confront their enemies. It's a continuation of the previous one. And we find out that uh, um, that uh, Moff Gideon has been cloning himself and trying to get his clones to have force powers. Um, and a fight ensues and he apparently gets defeated, though we didn't see a body and he is wearing Beskar armor. There's a possibility that he is still around. Yeah. Um, and there's also the possibility, by the way, we didn't talk about this one and because Brittany sent this to our group text. I think this is a, actually a, a fair point at the beginning of the season when we see, or the first time we see Moff Gideon, he's got a mustache, the Moff Gideon that we have in this final battle, no mustache and the clones don't have mustaches. So did we fight a clone or did we fight the actual Moff Gideon? I think they wrote themselves an out. So dun, dun, dun. I mean, it's, it's dumb, oh. but it's, but it's, a, you know, it's like the old, you know, evil Spock has a, you know, a goatee and, you know, good Spock, you know, doesn't. So, um, but it's, it's also, I mean, it's traditional Hollywood movie making, but it's also, it's a subtle way of getting out from, you know, like, hey, yeah, you totally, if, you know, if Brit's the only person who caught on to it, and I don't think she was, but she's one of the few people who caught on to it, she's ahead of the game than everybody else. Uh, but also just from the standpoint of, because the way that the season ended for me, if they had said, we're not making any more Mandalorian, this was it, it ends on a good note. It ends on a positive note, a happy note. You know, the, you, know you could say that his journey is done in a way. But also, if you're going to continue, if you want to bring Moff Gideon back, there's ways to do it again. You know, we know in Star Wars, as in most movies, if you didn't see a body, nobody's dead. So, so, so do we think, do you feel like you got a good, cohesive story with, um, you know, um, I, I just how do you feel about this looking at it from bird's eye view? One thing I'll say right away is that um, you're inability to recall details does not speak well to this season's overarching quality um we're like wait a minute which you know, episode that's, was that's that that's a good that's a good point mm-hmm. um and we're and we're and we're not helping you either we're like we're struggling too and i guess like we're old we're old white uh we're old men here afraid not white but <laughs> but we're these old dudes here and it's like ah! Get off my lawn. I don't remember my own name. Um, but I don't think it's that so much as it's the show maybe got a little in the weeds. Um, and my, uh, so like, again, the the question that you sort of posed earlier was 
Um, some people critique this based on it being about Mandalorians, plural, rather than the Mandalorian. And look at that. We already had an hour. Um, and I'm okay. That's your critique. That's fine. But what I think that that's accurate, right? That it is that is this season telling the story of the Mandalorians. Is it effective in telling that story? Um, and I think like, that's how it should be evaluated. I'm sure people like, you know, different strokes for different people. You may not appreciate that they went that direction. You may have wanted more Grogu adventures. I get all that. Um, but this was the story that they clearly intended to tell. Um, so maybe we should evaluate how successful they were at telling that story. Um, and again, like the details thing where we can't remember anything. Um, hmm. You know, so I, I get, I'm, so here's where I'm at with this. First of all, mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that, you know, we, we told the story of the Mandalorians. Um, I, I like that. Um, was it what I was expecting? No. Um, but in that grand scheme, I like it. Now, talking with a, with a friend, he stopped watching after episode one because he didn't want to see. He, he liked the lone wolf and cub thing that we had, you know, and and I get that. Um, he didn't want, you know, the it just that the Mandalorian stuff that we got and all the Mandalorian lore and, you know, that world building. That's that wasn't what interested him. He said he might go back and watch it. He's, you know, but. You know, and and to that, I will say that I, I if you keep doing the lone wolf and cub, then it after a while really does become BJ and the bear. I mean, how how many times can you can yeah. you know it, it 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 would I think they would end up painting themselves in the hole. However, here's here's where I'm looking at it now from 120 thousand miles in the air, whatever. Um, this season was about setting up the movie that Dave Filoni is writing and we need, I, I think I said it on the previous episode, we needed to move this chess piece here. We needed to get all the Mandalorians back together and on one planet and kind of tidy up that story so that we can now, when we come to our movie and we need the Mandalorians to join our army to fight Thrawn, we can do that. So, you know, so as much as, you know, it could be, a, so Star Wars is starting to do that little Marvel stuff. And some Star Wars fans don't like that, you know. But um, for me, uh, you know, I think, so I, I think we, we told that story pretty well um, in getting, uh, you know, especially Bo-Katan's journey, you know, and, and bringing all the Mandalorians back together. Um but I think it could have been done in half the season. So I guess I say I like it. I, so when I say they did it well, I think they could have done it better because I think it could have been done in about half a season. If you take all, out all of the, you know, creature attacks and, you know, um, just kind of random stuff, you could, have, like I said, you could have gotten to the same place in half the season and spent more time on the Dr. Pershing stuff. 
which we'll get that will be in our second part of the conversation of what didn't pay off yet but um, yeah so so i think um but i do like the way how it ended that now season three can be whatever it wants to be we didn't end on a cliffhanger it's everybody it was a happy ending everybody's where they need to be and season three can be whatever we want it to be so Fredo, what'd you think? Uh, overall, I mean, I was happy with what I got. I enjoyed this show, the season, uh, for what it is. If I'm going to have any critiques overall, I mean, because I know everybody kind of hung, hung up on the other Mandalorians joining the Lone Wolf and Cub adventure. I think he almost had to do it because otherwise it was going to be one of those things that just keeps hanging over the head of the characters. Now that that's resolved, he might, much like Navarro became, you know, Din and Grogu might turn up at Mandalore to check in with Bo-Katan and then go on into their adventures. So in some ways, it's kind of settled. I am kind of surprised at how quickly it got settled because they made such a big deal, not just in this show, but through Book of Boba Fett and even as far back as stuff in Rebels about the nature of Mandalorians, how desperate they were, all that they suffered. So the idea that it basically gets handled in a span of two, three episodes, even if it involves one, a big battle. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by it. But also, like I said, th- if that was the end goal in mind, to take that storyline, see it through, resolve it, I'm glad for it. Because now it creates a new dynamic where we're back on the Lone Wolf and Cub element. We're back towards, okay, all the all the stuff that you like said didn't get paid off, that got set up this season, will more than likely come to the forefront once again in season four. So, okay, so let's talk about things that maybe didn't, I I alluded to one already, but stuff that that came up in episodes that maybe were shortchanged or didn't pay off. And let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about the Dr. Pershing thing. Because that was, again, it was two-thirds, maybe it was at least two-thirds of the episode and then dropped like a hot potato. I mean, he got a full episode to himself, you know, in that's in an eight episode season, he got one whole episode to himself. That's a big commitment in terms of time and storytelling that they just simply said, okay, the last time you're going to see him is Eli Kane just enjoying her, uh, her Imperial cookies while she, her dark side cookies, while she cranks up the uh, voltmeter on the torture machine that the to 11, New Republic yeah. says, that, yeah, going up to 11. So, where does that take him? Where does it now? Obviously, we get the answer as to what um, uh, Muff, Muff Gideon wanted uh, uh, Dr. Pershing for, but clearly, that you know, there's still more to be told there, and we don't know what it is. It just after episode three, he just went away. Dave, what did you think about the Moff Gideon or not the Moff, the Mr. Yeah, Pershing. Pershing, Dr. Pershing? It was one, gosh, the, um, you know, the thought that keeps running through my head is like, which were the most effective episodes, which were my favorite episodes of the season, you know, and, um, they, they, they had individual strengths. Like there wasn't like a clear winner. Um, I liked that episode strictly for the fact that it was a complete change of pace. You got a different character's perspective. Um, 
it was it was a unique take on this universe that we've been staring at the same thing for the last you know two plus seasons um to your point where bj and the bear um here's something else here's something new um i really dug that about it um but again like eh, um they didn't go anywhere with it and again if you're trying to tell a coherent story like there's some loose threads there um and i feel that way about pretty much every every episode this season um like some of them were visually arresting um and just incredible to look at um some of the stories um were higher stakes um more compelling um and then you had, you know, some of your funnier, lighter episodes too, which again, like still had their strengths. Um, I, you know, like guns for hire, right. Was obviously that was the one that I'm referring to, but like, um, Bryce Dallas Howard was being subversive as heck in that, you know, like she's, she's poking the bear, something fierce with, with a short stick. Like, here you go. Here's here's Frog Lady again, you know. Um, However, and... that I mean that episode, there are some things that that again drop like a hot potato. You have this big monologue from um, Christopher Lloyd about you know the separatists, mm, and yeah. it's like you know, and how Count Dooku was you know, you know was right and all this stuff, and it's like that that's an interesting thread that we're pulling on, and it almost seems like is it just put in there for to make you know the uh prequel crowd happy you know what i mean it, yeah it, no it, like so there's a is, lot of potential to that and they didn't they didn't and like so, meet the full potential and so here's my thing about that episode is that we spend all that time you know hunting down um you know like i said playing csi mandalorian um when we could have spent more of that episode, you know, talking about the conflict between Bo-Katan and, and Axe, you know, and, you know, the two factions, why are, why is it, we only end up getting about three, a three minute fight and then everybody's on the same team. You know, it, it could, that would have been more interesting and fit better with the overall story arc from episode one to episode eight um then but I, and can i just say like you're exactly 100 percent right in that um the potential for a greater um threat existential threat to the galaxy is there um you, you see this story get told a lot in a lot of the feloni cartoons um we saw it in bad batch we saw it here where there are like there are these little pockets of separatists um, still kind of left over, and then they get squashed, and then we move, and then we move on. Um, what if it were a little bit more of a threat? What if it were a little more organized and a little bit um, more of a danger to people? And I, I think like there's a lot of storytelling potential in that, and. And yet, again, it's kind of that episodic, we're going to hit the reset button at the end of every episode, and then we're going to move on to the next adventure, which is the problem with that lone wolf and cub narrative structure. Um, 
we're going to get into an adventure on this planet and then at the end of the day we're going to move on to the next thing um and like this this is one of those things like you said it, it could be hugely compelling and interesting and it could pay off in all sorts of ways and it's like no and, and <laughs> no. as i and as i say all those things and we'll let fredo jump in as i said all those things in the back of my head i'm wondering again are these chess pieces that you know feloni is thinking five moves ahead and we need to establish well like we need to get all the mandalorians on the same page we need to at least drop a colonel in here about separatists or something you know because you know is thrawn going to be trying to you know i don't know do this uh, is the separatists what eventually becomes the first order you know i you know i don't know it's um is he like I said so are they putting these chess pieces in place for you know that overall story I yeah know. i think yeah no and i think what's interesting because in some ways i kind of talking about that episode part of me wonders if maybe there wasn't a missed opportunity by making it into a mystery because it would have been interesting to get I me mean, you've got somebody like christopher lloyd who's a great actor and you, you know, you could have started discussing how he's latched on to the separatist ideal, even though by this point, the separatists are gone, the empire that defeated them is gone. You are now three governments down the road, and decades from all that conflict, but yet he's still latched on to it, uh, and use that as a juxtaposition to maybe bring Bo-Katan, Axe, Din to the realization that maybe. We need to start moving forward. We can't just be latched onto the conflicts of the past or the mechanisms of the past, which is what Christopher Lloyd's character embodies in that role, in that character, in that episode. He's somebody who can't move forward. And so therefore he's still fighting the the Clone Wars sixty years after the after they've, you know, or thirty years, whatever, you know, after they've uh, stopped being the thing. Um so there's moments where you do see that where you kinda go, Okay, because of the structure of these episodes or because of the story you want to tell, you maybe miss on some avenues, but those are creative choices. And I think that's difficult to uh, tell to a creative, okay, did you not see it this way? You could have gone down this way because they're interested in telling you this. And I think it's interesting when you when you look at the flow of a season, some, you, know, you got two episodes that were serious and heavy hitting, but also a bit trapped, a bit dull. They were all they're all hanging out by the cave. They got they were having movie monster episodes, you know, where the giant crocodile comes and attacks them, or the giant pterodactyl takes a kid away, that kind of thing. Where okay, they felt they needed to give you a bit more color, a bit more panache, something different. That's what they went with that episode. So sometimes you have to take a look and just kind of see how it flows because if it's just desert planet. Cave, outpost, desert planet. It's gonna get boring after a while. To to both of your points, to both of your guys's points, it how it didn't seem it it well it seemed like we needed to pick a lane, where mm-hmm. it they weren't doing strictly episodic, and they were they were they were like being episodic but trying to tell a long story, and that it just didn't seem to jive, and it seems like they should have just maybe picked one lane. But um, what are some what are some things that uh, any any uh, I suppose head scratchers 
uh, well, I guess we kind of talk about that. What What are some things maybe you you expected to see in this episode that you're in this season, but that you didn't? Anything that just kind of like, wow, I'm surprised that we didn't get that. Um, I will lead off of one. I'm surprised we didn't see Sabine. That would have been if they're embracing this Marvel model. I mean, she's a Mandalorian. That would have been, you know, something that would have been kind of an interesting connection to get your audience interested in Ahsoka. And and when she's got a relationship with Bo-Katan and the Darksaber, so... She, she's an easy intro at that point. I wonder why they did. Um, I guess in terms of something that I was missing, I'm surprised we didn't get any, any mention, any shot, any flyback to Tatooine to go see uh, Boba Fett. Particularly after Boba Fett, I mean, Doctor Din was such a key piece in the climax and the resolution. Of Boba Fett's story. I'm surprised they didn't at least go pop in and say hello. Hey, Boba Fett's still here, and Shattuck fan is still here. You know. You know, we were flying back to Navarre and flying back to a bunch of other places, but surprised we didn't get a single mention of him. Or Cobb Vanth. Yeah. Either. Cobb Vanth. Yeah. And they sort of like teased that and then nothing happened with that. Um Yeah, you know, like some of those some of those cameos that, that you know, you, you sort of expect to see that didn't that didn't occur. That might be to this season's strength or benefit to me. Like we we were joking the final episode where it's like I expected Boba Fett to like fly in at the end and save the day and they didn't do that and I you didn't have like the Luke Skywalker moment right um and I think that that was well done on their on their part because it would I don't know how are you going to top top uh, Luke Skywalker first of all um you're not uh, so you try to do it again and you try to do it with somebody else. I think it like ends up feeling a little um, like a sh- shallow imitation. Yeah. And uh, so like they were really smart. They didn't do that. Um, but yeah, like if, if I would have like predicted, I would have predicted a little more in the way of cameos. And like you said, like maybe a Tatooine visit, um, things along those lines. Uh, I was interested that we, that we've been spending more time on Coruscant lately um Uh, and i was actually going to say something about what something that happened on coruscant i'm surprised mm -hmm. i just i just remembered right now as you guys were talking that oh that's right we found out who saved grogu Mm -hmm. and now i'm looking at it and like in the overall scope of this season it's like who gives a darn Mm -hmm. it it matters not to this season's story it really doesn't it was it was no. done because they teased it in previous you know it's something that should have been dealt with fully in if we're going to do the book of boba fett with um you know when he starts to remember that stuff they should have just paid it all off at that point because in this season it i mean it's nice that we know that and it was cool to see Ahmed best and all that stuff. And I, and the Naboo starfighter is all neat. It was all cool, but you know, it's, it's, you know, just, it matters not to the story. So, um, do you think that but, maybe, they, I mean, what's and at least, what? at least the way that they worked it in, I mean, it could, it, yes. Does it matter? Because I think Grogu is going to end up becoming like, you know, the, basically the descendant of, 
you know, Tar Vizsla, who, you know, was the first Mandalorian Jedi. I think Grogu is going to end up being the second Mandalorian Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. but anyway, so I think. No, but it makes me wonder if why, why, I mean, it's interesting they put it in, they finally, we finally got an answer to that, but it's not a full answer. It just tells you how Grogu got out of the Jedi Temple, how he got off Coruscant. Okay. It's interesting that it was the Naboo, the Nabooians or, uh, who were helping them. Kind of surprised people from Naboo. Uh, but it doesn't tell us the full story. So I wonder if there's another twist or turn there. Because uh, Karen backs out with him when he's in the place where Dan John finds them a generation later. So I wonder if we're going to be getting more flashbacks or more story as to where Grogu was around or who was taking care of him, what was going on, and if that's going to have further implications for Dan and Grogu. Well, it, however, it could end up being it could end up being setting something up for uh, this new uh, Jedi Order um, movie. Movie, yeah, could be. I was gonna say Dave was either deep in Perfect. thought or frozen again. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, no, like I said, it was those. Uh, how about um, of the three seasons, one, two, and three? Um, where would you? What, what would rank, your ranking? Rank what would your ranking be? And I will tell you that I've gone back and watched. Um, some of season one and that's the best season i will tell you in my opinion that's the best season um at least it, it's just still um it, i think it's because of that really relationship building between din and grogu that it seems like it plateaued in season two i mean they're tight and that's cool season one was was and like i just like a lot of season one so i think it for me it would be season one season three season no maybe season one season two and season three actually i think it'd probably be in that order i think that's the easiest order probably the best order to go with just from the standpoint of it's from simple to complex you know, season one is very simple. It's very much a, you know, lone wolf and cub. It's very much lone guy trying to sort some of his things out. And it's and all emotional, it right? Then, because um, it's all emotional because it's like, like it was totally it was totally different Star Wars storytelling, really. You know, so season one was like kind mm-hmm. of like wow, this is really new. And season two mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. yeah, okay, this is cool. And then season three was neither new, you know, it was wasn't new. It was cool. So anyway, I don't know. And I think that's part of the difficulty and the dynamic that they're going to have to kind of sort out as they go forward is how do they keep that excitement going without a falling into the cambi of the week uh, flaw or trying to build up into, you know, we're, we're building up to this great uh, event, you know, kind of like Daredevil and all the Marvel shows on Netflix there before they did Defenders and Defenders was a eh, kind of payoff. I, you know, I would, I guess I would, uh, just to be different, I think I would put season two um, as my favorite uh, with season three at the end. But um, uh, if only because of the heights uh, that it reaches, I feel like uh, the, sh- the show has reached its greatest heights in season two. Um, the tragedy, yeah. 
yeah the tragedy and the believer in particular those two episodes back to back i um i thought were just phenomenal um but even earlier on in that season just some of the expansion that that went on in this universe growing and and um getting Bo-Katan introduced and those sorts of things. I, I thought it was really kind of fun. The episode with Cad Bane, uh, when he comes walking into town, I just watched that one last week. Oh, that was such a good episode, you know, where he's trying to get Cobb Vanth, you know, well, Din's trying to get Cobb Vanth to help out Boba Fett. You know, it, I guess that was, uh, that was actually in that Book was of Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Sorry. Yeah. God, I'm so yeah. dang confused. Uh, that was Book of Boba Fett. How, Still, very good episode. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, like that was. Um, we're getting to a point now where um, there's a lot of it, there, and there's a lot to digest, and and that maybe that's less of an indictment. Let, let's be kind to season three, uh, and, and maybe as we prepare to part here, um, maybe it's just that there's a lot of it now, and it's it's just harder to uh, differentiate. And then Book of Boba Fett, there's so much crossover. It's it's basically Mando 2.5. I yeah. mean, it really is. Um, but really, season two, uh, I really liked. Um, and again, I, I thought like the highs that it reached were, were incredible. I love the Marshall too, like Cobb Vanth being introduced. And um, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff going on in season two. Um, so I'll say that just, just to be different. Cool. No, I, you know, so I, I get, again, I don't want to say that I did not like, it's not that I didn't like season three. I don't think any of us are saying that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there were some, just like I said, I, I'm not going to call them plot holes, but just things that didn't pay off, you know, things that make you go, hmm, you know, um, yeah. that I, I and bet. It makes me wonder if that's coming. just building. It, it, building. Yeah, no, it's, it's coming. I think, I think, I think, it, I think it's coming because if you look at like things we thought about that in rebels and things, you know, it, they Filoni's good at bringing them back. And I know Favreau's writing, but Filoni's in his ear, you know? Um, so. Is this the rebels season one of, of no. Mandalorian? You know, and that was, uh, that was, cause we didn't even talk about, you know, just, well, no, we, I guess we talked about it last time, but about the breaking of the dark saber, it is like, this season was Dave Filoni and John Favreau saying, okay, we're done with all this. The, the Mandalorian story is done. At least, you know, yeah. at least that this first chapter, you know, we're done And it. You know, that, that was because everybody, like I said, we're all back together. The dark saber doesn't, they've, they've, they've opened the path for themselves to, you know, take it wherever they want. I do find it interesting that we don't have any mention of the Mandalorians in any of the sequel trilogy, so something bad might be coming. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but with that, I suppose maybe we'll just uh, call it a wrap. I mean, uh, there's not much more to talk about this season, I don't think. Um, but next week, I think we'll be talking about uh, some visions and some of the. So we have some new Star Wars stuff to talk about. Um, but until then, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And everybody have an awesome, awesome week. My monkey.